0: Well, uh, watch your back when you're swinging kettlebells, uh, especially if it's a new movement that you're unfamiliar with, uh, effective, it can burn a lot of calories, replace fat with muscle, but yes, the whole ballistic part of the kettlebell swings, the s- kettlebell swing movements and everything. And I don't mean like the simple forward uh, motion ones, like even one handed, I mean like when you start ripping the thing around your body, you gotta be a little bit more careful. Wednesday, May 11th, 2022, I'm Stephen Sersky. Thanks for listening. This year is my audio digest, published Monday to Friday, and archived up on my website, stephensersky.com. Hope you guys are doing well. And yes, I did try this uh, for my second workout today. I tried this um, new uh, kettlebell flow, I guess they're called. And... It kind of felt like I was doing something wrong when I started. But I figured, ah, maybe my back will just, you know, pop into it sort of thing. I didn't. (laughs) Uh, It it wasn't too bad when, like, I don't feel like I ripped anything. It wasn't like a couple months ago already where I I know I felt my back tweak. Uh, But uh, this one was a little bit more, it started and then as I adjusted my positioning, my hand positioning on the kettlebell, it, uh, it wasn't as bad. I've also had this tender spot in the middle of my back along my spine. Uh, it's been there for quite a while. Actually, since I threw out my back a couple months ago. Uh, so it's been tender, but it hasn't been sore and it hasn't restricted me from doing anything. I can still carry weights and stuff like that. Uh, so it was never something that I was really concerned about. But that's what I was sort of feeling today uh, when I was doing this uh I guess it's, it's sort of, um, around the world movement, but what it was, it was an around the world with a squat thrown in and I was doing it wrong. I can say that for a fact. I had my hands positioned on the kettlebell improperly. And that's what led to, uh, the imbalance of my body. And that led to this little, it was like a, It wasn't a popping sensation. I don't want to worry anybody. I'm saying that it was... You know how your muscles can pop sometimes? Not your muscles. Your knuckles can pop sometimes, right? Uh, Like Especially if you straighten up your back and you feel it click like that. That's what it was, basically. And so that's why I wasn't too worried about it. But now I'm feeling it and I'm going, yeah, I am very tight in the upper back and in that area that uh, was uh, feeling a little bit wonky while doing it. Now, I did fix my... Uh, my uh, positioning and it went a lot smoother after that and this workout was uh, although it seemed very easy it was quite intense and it took me a lot longer than I thought it was because it was very tiring there's three exercises that I did one was just simple bent over side-to-side swings so that would do 20 reps of those four reps rest for 45 seconds each the second one, this is the one that uh, made my back feel a little bit wonky was you do an around the world and then you uh, swing out to the side, both hands and then you go into sorry let me repeat that you swing to the sides, you do around the world and you go into a squat. When you come up from the squat, you swing out of the squat to the opposite side, another around the world and then squat again. and you do that 20 times. The last one, and so that one was sort of where I was. I had my hands improperly positioned on the kettlebell, so I had to fix that. I was holding it by the top of the bell. Incorrect. I should have been holding it by the side of the arms of the bell, and that would have uh, given it a little bit more. Um, it would have been a lot more comfortable because I, I even felt my hands getting sort of um, torn up when I f- was first tried it. And I'm like, nah, this is this is something's not right here. I'm not. Uh, I'm not doing this correctly. So. Good thing I didn't start with a heavier weight, um, but I, I typically I start with the fourteen ks. If I'm uh, either the fourteen ks or the water bottles, I have uh, some five liter water bottles that I have stashed off to the side, uh, full of tap water uh, that uh, I keep there for like practice movements and stuff like that. And then I graduate up to the fourteen k uh, kettlebells and I use those for uh, workouts or or more than that. The third kettlebell exercise was again another swing to the side and then <laughs> swinging back and going into a lunge with a uh, what do you call it uh, a kettlebell clean so you get a swing to swing to the side a lunge and a kettlebell clean at, uh, all at the same time you repeat that for 20 uh, 20 reps rest for 45, 45 seconds in between each sets and yeah that was that was enough and then, actually before that i even uh, did uh, a flight of stairs holding the kettlebells and this was right after work so work ended and I'm like okay go and grab the kettlebells and I just started walking up the stairs and I realized I should have probably warmed up a little bit more prior to that <laughs> uh yes my enthusiasm uh far exceeded my warm-up preparation for it but I wanted to get it done I wanted to get it done in 25 minutes 30 minutes and I did uh but the risk is that I've sort of um I might be sore tomorrow, <laughs> let's put it that way, anyway, so it was sort of a uh, common day, I had to work a little bit, I uh, was able, I didn't get any Chinese done, uh, but uh, I was able to uh, get some more of that Michio Kaku book uh, read, and I'll tell you this book, reading all of these books, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, The like, sort of it's kind of depressing, reading these science books that talk about the theoretical physics books that talk about the future uh like not just like next year future investable future like our lifetime our children's lifetimes future we're i'm talking like well you know what the universe is gonna rip itself apart anyway and if it doesn't then it's just gonna collapse upon itself anyway so like uh all those books that you've kept in such good condition they're just gonna be uh crumpled up anyway, snap, right, I mean, it's kind of depressing, this one, uh, so Michio Kaku is one of the guys who uh, sort of formulated the the string theory, helped uh, map out the string theory, uh, in which the proposal is is that we live in a 10-dimensional space, time, thingy, universe, there we go, Um, four of which that we can know, so it's side to side, forward and back, up and down, and at a certain time but the other six we it, are we too big for those universes which is where the quantum mechanics argument comes into like a uh, quantum mechanics equations start to take over uh in the uh, whole how does it all fit together sort of thing so i'm reading this and going yeah so okay there could be 10 dimensions multiple universes were a bubble or this and then our universe is part of a larger universe, which. Just kind of goes like, what's the point? (laughs) Why do I need to think of this? Basically, it wasn't a very encouraging book during my work day because I'm sitting here going, yeah, I'm living in China, traveling, expat, whatever, but I'm working from home, staring at a computer all day. I mean, is this the, the money that I'm earning to progress it towards what? A universe that's going to rip itself apart? Uh, could I be doing anything else with my time? <laughs> well, speaking of which, what else could I be doing with my time? So the other thing, I mentioned this yesterday with uh, uh, the courses, this Latin course I was thinking about taking. And I'm not sure. This is, It seems kind of silly to tell you the truth. Uh, it's a, a Latin Speaking course, like a spoken Latin course, uh, and they have three different levels: novice, intermediate, and advanced. And I would not be so bold to think that I'm in advanced, uh, not even intermediate. I'd be, I'd be beginner, like uh, beginner spoken Latin, because I, I don't, I've not, I haven't studied, I haven't read Latin very often uh, for the last long time, and certainly have never really spoken it. And it was not something that was very. Uh, very much encouraged when I was reading Latin in university. So this the the people that are putting on these podcasts, these Latin podcasts, ancient Greek podcasts. Um, can I say that they're very much a product of their times, which makes sense. But uh, that being the case, they are taking advantage of the opportunities of the technologies that are uh, available to them, uh, of the absolute affordability the cheapness the freeness of publishing and they are producing more content like that like when i was in university the the big go-to big deal latin radio program was uh based out of finland the uh, was it fyi or uh f-r-y-i so one of the uh can't remember the uh the acronym for the station but it was based out of finland it was the only um latin radio broadcast back in the day and they published the MP3s online so you could download them um and then I mean of course there was some sort of ch- there was some church documents as well that were in Latin but that was about it there was just there was nothing to for for spoken or listening to uh, to Latin or even ancient Greek so to see it happen now there seems to be a little bit of a rebirth uh, especially in the last few years <laughs> covid related maybe um, uh, more of a publication of the ancient languages for those who uh, are interested in that sort of thing. Um, so I might do it just to see what it's like to see. I don't know. Do I still have an interest in the classics? I, to tell you the truth, I would. I can't see myself going any further in the classic uh, classics at all. Uh, I'm not even sure I'd want to be teaching it uh, the humanities or anything. Uh, as it's, it's one of those things that I did. I'm, I don't regret doing it. Uh, but at the same time, I kind of go, I know I can use what I learned in that language study and move forward with it and, and uh, apply it to other languages or helping other people learn languages as well. That, that much I understand I can do. But in terms of going back to the classics and, you know, living that life, mm, probably not. So we'll see. It's uh it's an idea. Um, it runs throughout the summer, but the classes are like are, are like at midnight Beijing time. I'm not sure I'll be on board with this one. Like that, that it's a little bit much. So we'll see. Uh, we'll 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 see what happens. it's uh, a good question. Uh, but speaking of languages, the Chinese uh, HSK five test deadline sign up is uh, what in three days, May 14. Oh, it's on May 16th. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's one of these days. And I'm now thinking, like, I'm not sure if I even want to sign up because I don't really want to lock up the money only to have the test pushed off indefinitely. Now, I did mention, or my uh, Chinese teacher did point out that there are at-home Chinese tests that you can do. And that seems like it might be a good idea because then it's something that I could, you know, at least I can keep on moving ahead in this language uh, that has taken up so much of my time. So much of my adult life has been spent, not even that much, uh, but I mean, honestly, five years of my life has been spent working on this language and it's only been recently that I can actually sit down and read the text messages that I'm sent and go, hey, that means this. (laughs) There are some, there's there's still a lot of characters I don't get. uh, a lot of uh, words I might not get as well. But overall, the just the ability to, to read something, albeit slowly, uh, I mean, it, it feels good. <laughs> Great. Good on you, Steve. Good job. Now, what are you going to do with that? Because... <laughs> Uh, I've been mentioning this expat exodus that's been going on, uh, and I came across another article. uh, This girl, uh, Rachel, uh, she runs this website, rachelmeetschina.com, I think is what it is. She published this article just today, and it actually discusses a lot of the things that I've been talking about for the last little while that I've been uh, hearing from my own colleagues, people that I've known in Beijing um, for the last... A year or so uh, this has been become much more prevalent in the conversations but as i've said before with this expat exodus that's going on one of the biggest things that we have to remember when we see these numbers and we hear these comments and these criticisms of, of how china is dealing with covid and that it's not welcoming foreigners and stuff like that number one Especially now, today, who is left are the people who have basically either lived through this pandemic or arrived in the midst of it and have never seen so-called normal life in Beijing or in China and other parts. The other thing I can sort of point out is that a lot of the criticisms are coming from Shanghai, and Shanghai is notable for its very vocal expat community. Like, there could be other expats around the country that you might not be hearing from because they're just getting on with their lives. But Shanghai is locked down. That city does uh, seem to attract a lot more people who are a bit more outspoken because it is much more of an international city compared to a city like Beijing or Xi'an, Chongqing, or those other sorts of cities. So... Uh, some of the criticisms that were brought up in this article are like, you can't travel China anymore. And I think that would be one of my biggest concerns as well. It's like, okay, so as much as I am busying myself doing some other things, uh, notably this, uh, like, may you make a movie, which is what I'm doing right now, um, working on computer graphics, uh, effects and stuff like that, like, I'm keeping busy, but there's really no opportunity to be Traveling outside and seeing the country, meeting the people, using the language that I'm studying, uh, or really seeing any more of the word that China em- embodies, right? Uh, the country that China embodies. So, in that case, like I'm very glad that I did take the time to go travel across the country when I had the opportunity to uh, so many years ago. But I'm looking at this going like I haven't left Beijing. I uh, get well since October. And before that, I mean, it was uh, several months the, since the last work trip. Like, I don't think I've been on a work trip for uh, eight months now, seven, eight months, nine months. And those aren't going to come back anytime soon, like if ever. Uh, so it's basically you're you're staring at a computer, uh, which is like, well, why would I do that? Why would I do that in China when I could do that anywhere? Okay, so why do you do it in China? This is the other thing that the article talks about a little bit is the people, some of the people who are left are the ones who have nowhere else to go. am like, yep, that's me. 100%. Uh, there's two things that sort of strike me about this comment because number one, if I were to go back to Canada, uh, the transition period from going from China to Canada not only would be kind of lengthy and messy because I'd have to clear out this apartment. Like if I did that, if I actually left China, I have to get rid of all the stuff. Now, most of it could be decided within an afternoon or maybe it could, you'd look at it and go, we could decide this right now. I sort of think a lot of people would not have any affinity towards the stuff that I have here. Um, but that's only part of it. Number two would be the cost. Like, To get back to Canada right now, it's going to cost five to $6,000 for a flight if the flight happens not, not to mention moving costs. So if I get down to like, you know, whatever luggage I have here, just fill that all up four or five cases. That's it, you know, and then restart in wherever else. These, when I get back to Canada, what am I going to be doing? <laughs> right. It's like, I really, I, I didn't leave a job that I could go back to in Canada. Uh, and Lord knows, I mean, as ESL expats know, um, ESL is kind of a niche market, mostly lucrative when you're not in primarily English-speaking countries. (laughs) It's just that's how it goes, right? So uh, the idea of becoming an ESL teacher, I could. I mean, there are positions, especially in universities, and given my background, uh, with uh, especially learning languages, and uh, being able to sort of see what uh, the standardized tests are, like HSK and all the other ones that are in the ESL sphere as well. Uh, so being able to contribute that knowledge has does promote some sort of idea of going back. But what about somewhere else? Could we? Could you? Uh, Middle East, I've talked about before. But again, I think it'd be sort of the same idea. It's like Those ones, you'd have to get visa sponsored. You'd have to be aligned with a university or something. And that would also be a shift. And I'll tell you... After spending five years learning Chinese, I don't know, learning Arabic, learning uh, Hindu might be, uh, might be tough, <laughs> might be a tough sell right now, <laughs> I, I, I need some brain space, I think, uh, not to say that I couldn't do it, and maybe I could do that as I go into my 40s or my 50s uh, to keep the brain active, but uh, you know, I don't. There's got to be something else I can do with my life other than reading textbooks about language grammar and stuff like that. Or is there? Because I did start a language vlog now, didn't I? <laughs> All right, well, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Those are some things for you guys to think about. Why are you still in China? Why have you guys thought about this? No doubt you have, because I know the people who uh, I know who are still in Beijing, who are still in China... Um, I mean a lot of them don't have anywhere else to go uh, but I would be interested to know what sort of keeps other people here uh, if you want to hear one other uh, take on it uh, actually episode number 28 of my podcast the Steven Sersky podcast with Donny fan he talks about this about the expat exodus as it was in, back in February when he had when we had that conversation and he says a lot of the he's noticed that a lot of the people that are here are you know, there's more quality than there was before and i think so there's fewer of us but the people who've remained sort of had a bit more of an interest in being here uh for the longer term rather than for the short term something to think about something for you to think about what's uh, what's your end game how many more years left in china good question let me know if you can hit me up on the twitter the steven sierski Also, contact page on my website, stephenserski.com. And as always, show notes, tracks, and vids up on stephenserski.com. Thanks for listening, folks. We will talk again. Bye-bye.